Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Pardon Will Podcast. You are tuning in to Begotten Episode 2, which is basically me interviewing my father. I am your host, David Lilly. Um, and with me is my dad, David Lilly Sr. Dad, how you doing? Doing great. Thanks for calling. Thanks. That was a pretty good intro, right? I have to say so myself. Yeah. Short and simple <laughs> and to the point. I... Um, I've got a topic that I talked to you about and wanting to do tonight, but I'm actually kind of torn because I'm caught up in a lot of how to even start this. And so mm-hmm. I, I thought about this for a while because I want to talk about, I want to talk about work. I want to talk about work mm-hmm. ethic, but I also want to talk about the, the hard parts of, of deciding what is good and what is bad when it comes to, because when the word, the word work ethic actually has a lot to play in, um, into it. So I thought maybe I'd start off tonight with asking you, what do you think? What do you think about the term work ethic? Like right off the bat, we're in, right off the bat, we're gonna get right into the weeds. How do you feel? Well, uh, work ethic is something that you're raised with. You see a value to it, and that's that's kind of what you base your, your especially with guys. Men uh, associate with their employment. First off, I mean, they, you know, if you're an electrician, you're, you're a plumber, you're, you're a lawyer, you're a doctor, whatever, that title becomes who they are, or a pastor. Um, that, that title becomes who they are, so that their work becomes um, their identity, with men especially. Um, oh, but go ahead. work ethic is something that, that is taught in the Bible, you know, um, it, it started out as a curse in Genesis, okay. but by the time Solomon looked at it in, in Ecclesiastes, he said, this is a gift of God because um, you get to eat your bread, drink your wine, and enjoy your labors. The fruits of them, and, for sure. Huh? The fruits of them. Yeah. Yeah, the fruits of them. <clears throat> so, I mean, work ethics, and, you know, to me, um, it's always been about providing for my family, making sure they have a future. Yeah. Um, but now that my family's all grown, it's also about providing for my retirement. So okay. um, there's, uh, it's kind of funny. In August, I decided to take the whole month off. Yeah, I was going to ask you about first, that. Yeah, first Ter- ever. Terrible work ethic. That's awful. <laughs> I'm just playing. <laughs> well... Here's what here's here's how I established my work ethics. With with every goal when I reached it, then there was a reward. Okay. Yeah. Whether it be a, a vacation, whether it be um, uh, buying something, you know, you know, for the family or whatever. I mean, when I reached a goal, I, I, there was a reward at the end of it. Um, <laughs> what what so, if what if, was, what if what if what if? Hold on, let me jump in. What if at the end of accomplishing your goal, your reward was, here's another goal to accomplish? <laughs> what if that well, was? there is. There always is. Okay, well, talk, tell me about that. Okay, well. I said we were getting right goal. into the weeds. I'm sorry, we were going right in deep. <laughs> Let's um, go for we, it. We didn't even start off with, like, how's the weather? <laughs> like, we went straight into it. All right, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> because with every goal, there's another object set out for another goal. Okay. Um and, and, you know, um, in, in construction work, which I've been involved in, as well as in churches, um, in, in reaching a, a place in that church where um, you have other people involved, 
it's the same in, in construction. You have other people involved in, in, in the realm of, of the work you're doing. So when you reach a goal, then, then they get to enjoy the benefits as well. And so they get promoted in that process. Um, the other day, I was, uh, we were, you know, went to the shop and was taking care of a few things. And Dana had already been there ahead of me. And, and, uh, and his son, Logan, were there as well. And nice. they were they were setting up some things in the shop, straightened up, setting some things up, which I didn't ask them to do. They just came by because they had stuff at at, at, his, at Dana's house he wanted to bring in to get out of his way. And um, as he set stuff up and stuff, he said uh, he made a comment about um, twenty six years that he's been with me. Wow! And he said, uh, "Yeah, he said I've got a kind of collection of stuff here, but I need to." Uh, to relocate, <laughs> yeah. and I thought I thought that was interesting, you know, um, because you know, his goal in, in finishing his plan also played into the goal of me finishing my plan, which was interesting. Yeah, that's not actually but, uh, often. That doesn't have. That's I mean, you know, I hate to say that, but that's. Yeah. When it comes to people who work for people and work together, sometimes the goals are not always aligned. It's very rare. Oh my god, it's hard. It's hard not to break this down into more detail because I just had this conversation, but it was with somebody who dealt with church and a friend of mine who's a pastor, and and talking about the idea of unified goals and uh, and people's Mm -hmm. own ambitions. Anyway, I'm I'm trying not to rant here. I'll let you continue. I have a hard well, time. I have a hard time. I realize this is a self critique. I just listened to like the last <laughs> few podcasts that I've done, and I was telling a good friend of mine, you know, Justin, um, yeah. a good friend of mine who listens, and I was like, you know, a side rant. Oh my God, I'm doing, I'm literally critiquing myself while doing the same thing. I was saying, I've been listening. I've been listening to this podcast, and I was like, there's something missing that I used to have. And he's like, well, what do you think that is? And I think, I told him, I was like, I think I'm just shaking off the rust because I haven't done it in so long that I'm, I've been pent up. So now I just rant and I say things and, and I interrupt people. And he was like, cool. I mean, it has been a while. And I was like, yeah, I think I'm just, I'm just really bad at podcasting because I haven't done it in so long. And I used to be really, well. so anyway, here's, here's to you, dad, helping me um, shave off this rust. Sorry. Sorry for interrupting. Now back to what you were saying. Same is true in church. I mean, um, Jonathan Petty is coming back to Woodlands Church. Oh, very nice. Hey, he shout is, out to Jonathan Petty. I probably should put him. Yeah. He gets a nice shout out. Love that guy. <laughs> if you, he's uh, he's would, coming back to Woodlands Church. I'd shout out his family. Instagram and his, his, I think he has a TikTok. Um, or yeah. a lot of social media. I would shout it out, but I don't know it. So next time, maybe yeah, I'll does. have him on the podcast. I'll talk to him about it. That'd All be right. good. Sorry, That'd continue. Be good. I interrupted you again, Tetsy. The rust is <laughs> it's not coming off. It's just building up. It's just building up. Anyway, well, Jonathan. You know, it is building up because Jonathan Petty, a lot like you, um, made comments years ago that I'll never do what you do because it is just too hard of a lifestyle. And he oh, finds boy. himself remodeling and doing things that I taught him, just like you are. We always find ourselves in the the, the thing we try to avoid the most. Yeah, for sure. That's fine. Well, it becomes a common denominator in the fact that you've got to provide for your family. For sure. Uh, you, you, you know, that there are things that are of, of absolute necessity 
And even though you want to avoid the the manual labor involvement of it, it eventually comes around and there's you have no choice. Hmm. So we're talking about work ethics. And with that yeah. work, work ethics, um, it, uh, if you want to accomplish a goal, it's inevitable. And that's what my life's been generated around, goals. From one goal to the next goal to the next. And like I said, Jonathan Petty's coming back to Women's Church. And my goal is to uh, bring back the youthfulness and the visionary uh, to, to move a, a church forward. Gotcha. Um, and, you know, not saying that I don't have vision, no, but I don't have the youthfulness and, and the vigor and vitality that, you know, that younger people do. Hmm. And just like the Dana, he's my right arm man when I do construction because um, <coughs> Sorry. I'm 70. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, I'm 70. Old. You're an so, old guy. <laughs> so my physical uh, uh, stamina is lessened, although my mental capabilities are still sharp and my ability to plan things out and, and to pursue it is there, but, but the physical talent to carry through isn't. So I'm looking at the next generation. Sure. Mitigating, mitigating what your skill sets are, which is, which is good right. according to work ethic. I'm actually going to, which is, I'm going to hold on. I'm going to back this up. Because we went, okay. we went, we nosedive right into this pool. <laughs> I want to break things down a little bit more because that's how I, I function. So even even the concept, if you were to think about what, and everyone, when I say when I say work ethic, everyone listening is going like, well, I understand what work ethic is, but if you really think about it, it's, it's work, and and think about the word ethics, um, the rules set in place to say whether something's right or wrong, not morality, not not transcendent rules just rules of the game rules of rules of reality that are not that are not set with like a, a higher standard just this is what gets you to a to b like this is ethics like this is so whether your goals are you know you have bad ethics and you're just trying to get to you know b to c or whatever without or a to c without skipping b that's that's what it initially that's what i think about when i think of work ethics so people can be ambitious they can be driven and they can be malicious and egotistic in the way that they do with things. Doesn't mean um, a used car salesman. We all know as a that's that's a, a sleight of hand of saying somebody who's who's manipulative, not honest with their hands. Um, I mean, I'm not saying that all used. So there's a used car salesman right now listening, be like, "Come on, man!" And so um, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that's it's a it's a it's a a, a turn of phrase of saying that. This, there is a way to take work and be ambitious and use it for the wrong benefit. Um, mm -hmm. And that's where ethics come into. And so when I think about the idea of work ethic, it means to set out your goals, but do them as in uh, n work itself is the fuel to get you from A to B, not, not them. Into, oh, man, this is a, this is a really deep thought and I'm, I'm really having a hard time explaining this because mm -hmm. Even the most malicious, you can think of the billionaire who, I mean, there's tons of people I can think of who who just um, really use systems and, and mess people up and took their money and, and scam people. Mm -hmm. While they mm -hmm. had really good work ethic to be very good scammers, I don't want to say mm -hmm. that they did the right thing. But when people say work ethic, it really, to me, seems to be not about ethics. It just means ambition and, and almost almost solely ambition because when people 
when you think of somebody, <clears throat> let's flip, let's flip the script. Let's flip the coin. When you think of mm-hmm. somebody, I have an image when I think of somebody who doesn't have a work ethic. And, and the one thing that I think of all the people I think that don't have work ethics, I think there's one thing involved. Um, well, actually, I think there's multiple things involved. Um, but the main one, the main hinge point is ambition. They don't have ambition. And that might be because they don't have drive. Or they might not have goals or they might not have hope. They might not have things. But the one thing that, that hinges all those things together, whether or not it's hope or it's drive or it's goals or, or self-esteem. I mean, if any of those, the one thing they don't have is ambition. They have no, they have no fuel. They have no, no way to get them up out of bed. That kind of thing. And so, well, what do you think? You know, I, I agree with you, and I see where you're going. Um, the thing is, is, is some people make their living off the shoulders of others, and that, that can be wrong, but it also can be good if they're willing to reward those who are, who are engaged in the in the laboring a- aspect of it with a profit margin that, that reflects their involvement. Um, the problem is um, the Bible teaches that um, not to take advantage of your labors, um, but to give them their, their, their just due reward. And a, a lot of people are scammers out there. There's a lot of um, um, charlatans who are, who are looking for what they can make off of someone else rather than looking for what they can contribute to others. Now, good work ethics is a plan that helps others to contribute to themselves. And I've always been one that's been favorable of not determining what somebody's hourly worth is, but rather giving them a project that they can tackle and generate their own worth. And that's yeah. that's one thing that everybody that's been around me has, has seen it and has fared from it and tasted of it. And it gives them excitement about being their own boss and um, tackling a project themselves, following my instructions to do it the way it needs to be done so that we get repeat customers, but also having pride in themselves of having done a good job. Yes. And rewarded accordingly. Yes. Actually, and I think you just defined what work, work ethic is versus ambition. Um, because, because it's hard to say that someone who scams other people and works really hard at scamming other people, or at least to benefit Mm -hmm. other people, honestly, it comes down to, are they, are they working hard to benefit others and those around them or just themselves along with themselves? Because most people who work hard, they, they want to benefit their family, but they also want to benefit themselves because anybody works just to benefit other people is, well, they're just idiots. We're not even talking about them. Um, but But the idea, the idea that someone has a good work ethic, it's hard for me to think I can apply work the word the term work ethic to somebody who's a scammer, to someone who takes advantage of people's weaknesses and does is, I guess what the kids say nowadays, Dad, it's called a hustle. It means that you you are very much um, involved in your goal setting. You have goals in what you're doing. And that's a hustle. Like you, you really get into it. You really get after getting getting the work done. But, but what work ethic actually describes more than just having a hustle, is that not only, not only are you out to work hard, but you're out to work hard for those around you as well. Not just yourself, not just your family, but also the community itself. And then that's why that's such an outdated term, um, because it's so, for me at least, and I'm not even that old. I'm, 
37, you're 70. And when I think of the word work ethic, that's that's a term used by boomers, you know, like they don't have a good work ethic anymore. But really, <laughs> um, really what I think about that is, is because it implies the idea of ethics. And there's this, there's a, do you know what a meme is? When I say meme, do you know what a meme is? Nope. All right, this is good. This is good for all the listeners and for you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to describe to you what a meme is. And you've seen them for sure. Although you're not online very often. You don't have a Facebook. You don't have any of these things. So you're, you're very disconnected. <clears throat> a meme is actually um, an internet form of art where it takes a picture of something pop cultural or something that's referenced or even just an expression of a TV show. You don't actually need to know the TV show. It's, just, it's a picture of something that relinquish, relays some form of emotion like you can you can the same the same way a picture says it you know is a thousand words that's what a meme is it takes a picture of something and then with the picture it gives um a commentary a writing commentary and it explains a truth with the emotion at the same time as the wording i know this is this is a weird like breakdown of what a meme is but memes are very common nowadays because we have the internet we have twitter we have instagram we have facebook we have all these things people just share pictures and the picture could just be, um, a dad, I, I swear to God, this is a meme. It's Kermit the Frog <laughs> sipping tea. That's it. He's got a teacup, and he's just sipping the teacup. It's Kermit the Frog from Sesame Street sipping a teacup. <laughs> but the whole point of that is to say, literally, the picture itself is an essence of minding my own business. He's looking away, and he's sipping tea. But then above it will be, be like, um, you know, when the neighbors mow the lawn while it's raining, like you're just minding your own business. Like this guy's an idiot. I'm just minding my own business. So it's, it's not only it's to say something that is truthful, but also to give you the expression of being like, this is the intent behind the truth. So it, it takes a sentence and gives the intent just through a picture. It's, it's phenomenal. I know, I know this is something new, but the internet has taken this by storm where you can actually say truthful things and give intent with the truth and then also manipulate it, which is a whole nother conversation. Um, oh my God! No, I, I ranted on memes, and I forgot where I was. But um, <laughs> I went, I went deep dive in memes. This is educational for everyone listening. Uh, man, do you know where I was saying when I went into memes? No, I, I totally lost it. Um, I think. Well, uh, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Well, yeah, let's just I've move seen, on because I just destroyed the conversation. <laughs> but when you're talking about work ethics and, and the ethics of people, I've seen several in relationship to politics that. Uh, which, which I, you know, I have a, I have a serious problem with. Uh, oh my God, Dad! The ethics—that's a whole different ballpark. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tie this in too. Um, so this is where I was actually going. Just realized there is, um, there's a meme. This is where I, I th- had the thought. <clears throat> it's a meme of a farmer, and uh, he's got like a shovel in front of crops. You know, actually, it's such an old meme. I don't remember it. I think it's, it's just an old guy in overalls with a shovel. And, uh, and, and the saying with the meme is it's hard, uh, man, it's hard work, but it's worth it as in, no, that's, I'm totally butchering. I'm totally, I'm totally butchering this meme. Um, basically the point has been like, it's not easy work, but it's worth it as in, uh, my hands, it's, it's the same thing when people say, you know, dirty hands are clean money. That's a meme. Mm-hmm. That that saying itself is a meme because you understand the mm-hmm. picture of a dirty hand, like it's it's an illustration right. of being yeah. And that's that's kind of the point of the meme of being like you know it's it's hard work, but it but it's it's worth doing. Um, and the right. intent behind that is saying just because it's hard work doesn't 
doesn't always mean it's worth doing if it's egotistical it doesn't involve a ton of oh my god this was the longest way around i'm just now realizing this i should really think about i should make notes of these pockets so i don't derail this but back on to what you're saying about the politic thing is i'm i'm not a fan of politicians i don't know most people that are but the one of the reasons is because i i know what hard work is i know how to do it with my mind and I know how to do it with my hands and I know how to do it relationally and, and I understand what hard work is, but if it's only out for myself, while it can be hard work, it's not ethical. Um, Mm -hmm. partly because I think, I think effort, and this is where we're kind of moving on to. I think, I think effort needs to be more than self-sustaining. I think, I think people who are egotistical think that, you know, as long as, is I um, get ahead in the world, then then all is well. But we always see those people mm-hmm. die alone and uh, and sad. Um, mm-hmm. Hence the idea that you can have a hustle, you can work hard, you can be ambitious. But work ethic, the idea of work ethic means a lot more than just I'm out for myself mm-hmm. and I'm gonna I'm gonna bust it. I'm gonna bust my butt to get what I want. And I think I think mm-hmm. at least when I hear the word work ethic, I can divide the line. Sorry, long rant. Let's let's get well, somewhere coherent before I go well, off into. But, but work, I mean. work ethics covers a, a, a vast horizon because when I go into someone's home and they have a desire to change it, to update it or upgrade it or whatever, my job when I walk in to to bid their job and, and what they want in the remodel is to try to envision what they're seeing. Um, I had someone who called me recently and wanted me to come look at this situation because they'd hired a call the contract. He came out and said, oh, no, you don't want that. Oh, no, you don't want this. Oh, no, you don't want that. And he tried to force his plans on them instead of listening to them and find out what they were wanting. He said, no, 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 that won't work. That's, that's ridiculous. Oh, no, this. And he just kept pouring cold water on every idea they had, every thought they had rather than trying to figure out how he could help them accomplish their goal. Um, part of work ethics is you don't impose yourself on others. Hmm. You help them to accomplish their goals as well. I mean, if you want to be successful, the homeowner, when I walk in and see what they want and I produce it, um, then, then, then I have a happy customer that is appreciative of my skill to hear them and to see them. And to make it happen, but that's all that carries over. If you have that, that is to me, that is the primary work ethic. Both your employees, when they have a plan and a purpose that they're trying to create, when you help them to do accomplish that, um, no, no man is an island to himself. We're here to that's my favorite um, thing. help embellish and, and expand everyone around us, and when you do, um, that quality of work ethics comes through and people appreciate it not only do i think people appreciate it, i think they delight in that that's also yes. that's also not just the people you're doing the work for the employees itself um yes. i've i've ran into this <clears throat> multiple times matter of fact i had um i was doing some work on on someone's house recently and uh they were talking about pricing and you know people come in and do work and I'm 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 fairly pricey in my area, and uh, not to say the conversation came up about pricing, but <clears throat> it was mentioned. And uh, you know, like what? 
well, I'm trying to really um, tiptoe around this one. Basically, what I said there's there's not a lot of people. I'm trying to do this actually without without being arrogant because mm. if I if I'm arrogant, mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm not gonna sleep tonight and think about how arrogant I was on the podcast, and then um can have my own convictions. I'm gonna have to read my Bible and repent. Um, basically, <laughs> what I said is there's not a lot of people who do what I or the people around me do, but mm-hmm. not only. Not only is it that they don't do what we do, but they don't do it with the stature, nor mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. the decorum, the quality. The, the, no, not just the quality, the decorum, um, or okay. or the social skills. When when mm-hmm. and I always said this to people, and they always <clears throat> they always like contract. Let's be honest, contractors. Uh, there's a whole show about contractors going in and, and just mm-hmm. reaping people dry, just just ruining their house and taking what they can. I saw a whole contractor show about um, they got their expenses for building their house, and they're like, "What is this forty-five thousand dollar expense?" And the contractor bought a an F one fifty as part of the expense for the build. Um, <laughs> no joke. And so it's constantly like people contractors have a bad name, almost like used car salesmen because. Mm-hmm. They come in, they do bad work, but the homeowner doesn't know any different. And so they all they can tell is just like, well, this guy showed up late or he did this and something felt fishy. Mm-hmm. One of the best parts about being a contractor is being socially inept enough to make people feel confident. And and that's what I try to explain to them. You, this sounds like a weird brag. And it is. I'm okay with this. Um, not, one of the best things you could do as a carpenter is be crappy and be honest about it. And then you're fine. But if you're arrogant and you're cocky and you're bad, then you're never going to get work again. You may fool the next person, but you're never going to get work after that. But if you go mm-hmm. in and, and not only if you're good, but you're you're socially inept to be able to connect and, and talk to someone. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I learned about being a contractor and so-and-so, this is a weird rant again, um, is the fact that people feel comfortable because I'm honest. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know how to relate. And I know what the feeling is like to have a stranger in your home for weeks upon time, like in your kitchen or in your bathroom or walking through. I know what it's like to have that. And I know I know the feeling of, you know, at the end of the day, they clean up after themselves. Or mm-hmm. they don't leave a mess or they're not loud. They don't blare a radio the entire time so your neighbors complain. Like I know what it means to have decorum as being a contractor because you're in someone's mm-hmm. safe space and you're evolving while you are doing them a service. You could do them a better service by being relational and knowing that this is mm-hmm. their safe space. And I think I learned that from you. Um, and I tell this to people all the time because uh, I work construction far away from you. I'm in New York and you're in Texas or Louisiana, Texas. Um, and guys have radios all the time and I always bring it up. They're like, because I have headphones when I'm working. If I'm not working with someone they're like, well, you, did you bring a radio today? And I always tell people, it's like, there's two rules growing up when I worked on construction site, no radios and you're not allowed to take your shirt off. Even if it's hot, those are the two rules. And they're like, well, why? I was like, number one, radios drown out noise. And if someone's yelling at you, you can't hear them. That's number one. It's disturbing. And if you take your shirt off, that's bad manners. Keep your shirt on and keep the volume off. And so I tell people that all the time. They're like, you, you grew up, what was your dad? Like, Hitler? I was like, no, nope. Just this is this is how I was raised. You you pay attention to the people around you, and you're right. courteous of that. And I still remember that today. Um, anyway, long rant. You're not there to make them uncomfortable. You're there. You're, to make you're them feel comfortable. Exactly, exactly. But see, to me, 
that concept, I know that sounds outrageous to a lot of people listening. That concept, that's what work ethic is. It's not so much that you, yes, it's good to show up on time. It's good to work hard. It's good to be honest. But it's also to go the extra. This is what work ethics means to me. Not just, say someone hasn't, like when I think about like a teenager nowadays, you know, they show up to, you know, flip burgers or whatever they do to to get through high school. Um, work ethic, they're just there for a paycheck and they're just trying to get away with as much as they can, just enough to not get fired and get paid. That's bad work ethic. Like everyone say, well, that's bad work ethic. So then what well, is, what, what do you, what's, oh, sorry, go ahead. When you come from a Bible perspective, the scripture says, do everything that you do is unto God. So, so then you, you, you everything changes when you put that perspective into it. You know, I'm a servant of the most high God. I'm, I'm a representative mm-hmm. of him. Yeah. So whatever I do will reflect on his reputation. And if I'm, you know, like you said, if if I come in playing loud music and and or you know or, or being vulgar, then then it, it's a reflection on, on on him because I'm I'm his child. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm a child of the king, so I'm I'm here to represent him as as well as myself. Yeah, you know, it's not just about me. Hmm. That's a different perspective. That is interesting. And also with dealing with other people. You can't cheat people. You can't take advantage of people and claim to be a, a child of the king. That just doesn't work. Yeah, actually, I mean, I think that's the next step forward. Matter of fact, I think if you, I think if you don't have, hmm, so now I'm, now I'm, I'm sitting on that aspect for a while because <laughs> I totally forgot about the other rule that we had that I still participate in the state, which all the guys I work with participate in. The very good decorum. I can't tell you how many times I've watched. <clears throat> I'm sorry, I burped in the mic. Um, another subcontractor go up, and uh, it's going to sound super weird. Maybe to most, I don't know if it's going to. It's weird in the construction world. I don't know how many times I've watched a contractor nonchalantly drop an f bomb mm-hmm. in front of a homeowner. Not knowing whether or not that's kosher or not. Not knowing whether or not the kid is in the next room or not. And mm-hmm. to not have... Anyway, that was a side rant. Um, I was just thinking no, about that. A, that's work ethics. But again, work ethics. But it's also not about... <clears throat> it's not also about being... So exactly what you said. It's almost answering to a higher standard. Which we talked about in the first episode. Mm-hmm. The maker's mark. You answer to somebody mm-hmm. else and not just that. Not not that we do, we're morally right, we're morally righteous when we go to work um, because it's it makes more, more money or it looks better just because this is a standard that we we assume, which which could be said that that's biblical for sure. Um, but I'm also thinking about the idea that it's, it's a way to look at life mm-hmm. as in the benefit comes from the effort, not from the outcome. Because I think about when, you know, when I was a teenager and I, I worked at a hardware store and, and I worked with a bunch of other teenagers. And again, it's it's a job. And I felt the same way they did as well. I'd be like, well, I'm just trying to get a paycheck. I'm just trying to get through the day. But I um, I felt differently about it. And I think I know why I did now. Um, but but they didn't. They, it was, you know, this is something I work 
in after you know after hours of school and I just want to get my pay so I can goof off I can do whatever I want and it's not really serious and if I want to quit I can quit because it's it's just a low meaning job and I think about ethics on that it was like well they did show up to work every day they did work um, but their attitude was terribly wrong um, and oh dad I got a great story oh my god I'm ranting again so do you have anything to say about that before going to this long rant? No, mm -hmm. no. Okay, I'm gonna no. go on. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you a story, and all the listeners can just deal with the story. So when we moved up, this is a. This, I'll make it short. I'll make it short and quick. When we moved up to Albany for the first time, um, I eventually got a job bartending, or not bar, really serving tables at a, a restaurant that was owned. Um, but I got, he owned two restaurants across the street from this very main, like main strip. It's like the Sixth Street. Uh, the way Sixth Street is of Austin, it was the same thing of Albany, just smaller size. And you know, mm -hmm. obviously, it's right. Albany, not Austin. But it was a main strip, lots of restaurants, lots of bars. And he owned two of them. One of them actually had his last name on it. And I worked at one of them that didn't. And then eventually, I got a job uh, up across the street. I worked both jobs. And uh, one of the restaurants he had was his last name. It was, um, I don't want to say it, but his last name was the title of the restaurant. And uh, he he was very he was a bit of a hard ass. Like he would come in, people didn't like him because he was very strict. He was very ruly. And one time he came in and he didn't like the fact that there wasn't a sign out front saying that we were open. You know, they had like these, you know, uh, pallet signs that you put on the street because a lot of a lot of like people walk by. It wasn't a parking lot. People had, it was a lot of street traffic. People walking by going in it's downtown Albany. Um, <clears throat> and he was mad that there wasn't anything out there. And he came in furious. And, uh, and and he made a statement saying, like, well, blah, 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 the street sign's not out. <clears throat> and uh, he actually brought to me, because I was a server, and I was, it was my fault at the time. He was, hey, the street sign's not out. Yes, sir. Well, I'll, I'll get it right now. And I, I'll never forget that, because he actually brought that up later on in the week. He said, hey, um, every time I, I say something and people get, and I, I, I make a critique, people get defensive. And they go, well, they give me excuses. He goes, but you never gave me an excuse. You just... You just did, you just fixed the problem right off the bat. And this, man, work construction on me. You know, like, this is just, this is a piss off job. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I'm not, I'm not right. making a ton of money. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just trying to pay some bills at the time while I'm trying to play in church. So it's, it's nothing. But I remember him telling me that. And, uh, and I, I kind of go, so it's fine. You know, like, if, if you got a problem, I'll solve it. <laughs> sounds like, um, mm -hmm. sounds like a rap song I heard of in the 80s. Um, um, but yeah, I solved it. And then when I left, when we were moving, I, I went up to him and said, hey, I appreciate the job and blah, blah, blah. And he, he said one thing to me. He said, you never treated this job as if it was just a job. Why did you care? And when I when I asked you to do something, you just did it. You didn't give me excuses. And I remember telling him something. That I'll, I'll, I've never, this is a story I've never told anybody else before, but you'll like this. I said, um, and it almost was a pifty. It was almost like the Holy Spirit brought to me. And I said, um, I said, sir, your last name's on the sign. I was like, I, it's not a job. I, I don't want to represent you the wrong way. And uh, I've worked for my dad the whole time. So every time I have grew up working for my dad, I knew his name was on it, which would mean it's my name. So if your name's on the sign, my name's on the sign. I'm not going to make you look bad. It's not about effort. I could care less. You could yell at me all you want, and I can cuss you out when I go home. But the same, at the end of the day, it's not my name on the sign. It's yours. So who cares? Mm -hmm. You know, I'm 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 gonna make sure you look good. That's my job is to make sure you look good. Mm -hmm. And I was like, and right. he was blown, Dad. He was blown away. He was like, I've never gotten that. And I was like, well, that's kind of work ethic. 
And then, and then I thought about that. Of course, I was playing at church at the time, so I probably used it in a sermon, being like, you know, when you live life, um, give to Caesar what is Caesar, give God what is God's, and you you are God. So when you walk about the earth, and you are a sign of God's mm-hmm. God's got His name on you. And so that was a whole sermon involved. That sorry, that was a total long rant that turned into a sermon. But I remember that, and I remember thinking about work ethic, and I remember thinking about the way mm-hmm. people see. A lot of times people see jobs as a burden, and I do too. Like, I see them as a burden. But I also see mm-hmm. them as opportunity to do something more, which leads me into a totally different topic. But um, well, you know, What's what interesting, <laughs> I, I love it, I love it, because um, it's not just about us. We're representing. We're, we're uh, The scripture says we're ambassadors of Christ. Yeah. We're sent forth to a foreign land to represent someone bigger than us. And um, when we when we go to, to, to people's homes, we represent them. We're, we're there to to present their ideas, not our own. We're there to, to help them create their environment. We're, we're not going to live in that house. That's their house. Yeah. So um, we're there to help them embellish what their plans are and make it happen. Um, and, and and same is true in every, everywhere we go. Since we are ambassadors of Christ, we're there for their benefit. And, and and one thing I've learned early on in my life is if I, if I do, if I make them look good, I'll, I'll reap the benefits. If, yeah. I, if, I'm, if, they get the, if they get what they need, then I'll get what I need. But it's not the other way around. Everybody in the world focuses on their own needs. And if you're only focused on your own needs, you're going to come up short. But if you focus on everybody else's, then then you'll you'll receive what you need and what you want. Um, that's that's a good work ethic. Yeah. Um, I, I the, the two the acre and a half next door to the church when I mow I mow that as well. And the owner of it said, um, "Man, I appreciate you maintaining my property next door." I said, "Well, I hate to tell you this, it's very selfish of me." He said, "What?" I said. Um, if your property looks good, it makes my property look good. <laughs> it, to- it totally does. It totally does. Yeah. Yeah. So he he laughed just like you just did. Yeah. And he said, I get it. I get it. Yeah. When people drive by, they see your property looks good. And mine does too. This is a lot about who you are. Yeah. It it's about, about your, you it's about your work ethic. Well, that's ethics. It's not about you. It's about those that are around you and those that can benefit from you. I want people to benefit from me. I don't want to be the only one benefiting. Well, see, that, um, that's why I always pay people subcontract. <clears throat> Let them earn their keep yeah. for their abilities. That's why I like subcontract too. I know people hate yeah, know. me, but I like it because <laughs> if it's a responsibility in their hands. Yeah, because if I tell somebody I want one hundred fifty dollars an hour, they'll pass out. Yeah. But if I give them price on the job and I do it and make one hundred fifty dollars an hour, they're happy. Yeah, I agree. It's the same thing I do. I, I work for a guy. He has his own company, but I'm a subcontractor. It doesn't make mm-hmm. me work any less because I know his name. But this is this. There's two. There's two things a part of this. And uh, well, let me say this: the difference between basically what we're talking about is there's work effort, which is selfish, and then there's work mm-hmm. ethics, which is smart. It's mm-hmm. self-sacrificial because you know. Mm-hmm. And this is the thing I was gonna say. Um, the biblical version is um, seek ye first the kingdom, and all yes. the things will be added to you. That's the biblical yes. version. 
But there's there's a there's a common man's tongue that says the high tide raises all ships. And so if you can contribute to the high tide, then they'll raise your ship too. And so if you, you think beyond yourself and you think about the people, there's, um, there's also a story about, do you know the blo- the broken glass theory, Dad? Do you know about that theory? Uh, it's been a while, but yes. Okay, so it's, it's about, it's for anyone listening, it's about the idea of um, the property values of neighborhoods. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, and if you have one house that is abandoned, it's fine and doesn't, nothing really happens to your property value but as soon as as soon as a window gets broken and it stays broken then statistically the property value drops in the neighborhoods morals mm-hmm. and values drop along with it and all of a sudden now people stop caring they stop mowing the lawns once you have a a broken part of your system a broken link in your chain if, mm-hmm. if a house is abandoned and it becomes a wreck then the entire neighborhood starts to care less and care less mm-hmm. and care less and then all of a sudden the neighborhood's gone to crap um all mm-hmm. from a broken window and so there's a lot to say about the idea of of letting the weakest leak of the chain to be to to be left as far as part of the community so it's good to to pay it's good to mow your neighbor's lawn is basically what i'm saying mm-hmm. but let's let's mm-hmm. take let's take a break that's so I, funny oh go ahead go ahead I, I, I can't believe you're saying this because just this past week a young man and, and his young family has got two little boys, one's 10, one's 8, and uh, they live across the street from us in Bider. And I noticed his, his grass is never unkept. And I noticed that it started growing and growing, and, and, I, and I, I brought my lawnmower home, my skag, and I mowed the grass here. And when I finished, I drove it over to his driveway and parked in his driveway and told his wife, said, tell John, to, to go ahead and use my mower and mow the grass. Well, the next morning when I got up, the mower's parked back in my driveway, and there's a note on my mirror saying, Mr. David, please call me. So I called him. I said, hey, John, what's up? He said, well, he said, my mower broke. I said, well, I figured that. He said, well, but I'm going to conquer it. I want to fix it. I'm going to make it good, and, and I'll take care of my grass, please. I'm sorry that it looks so bad right now. I said, I told him, I'm not worried about how it looks. That doesn't bother me. It's the fact that you mean something yeah. that bothers me. Yeah. Oh my so God. I, I, so, so powerful. So I gave you yes. my, so yeah. I gave you my mower. He, he said, well, Mr. David, thank you so much. I, I really do appreciate it, but I'm going to fix mine. It's okay. About two days later, he gives me another call. He said, Mr. David, can I borrow your mower? <laughs> and I said, John, I parked it there for a reason. It's to, I'll bring it home tonight and use it. He said, man, I, you know, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so, I said, Stop apologizing. You know, you, you, you are meticulous. You, you repainted the outside of your house. You keep your yard. I said, I knew there was a problem, and I was just trying to help you with it. I didn't mean to embarrass you or to insult you. I just wanted you to know that there's help if you want it. And so he mowed his grass to cover it all and everything, and he, he brought it back as and spent an hour visiting with me, telling me how much he appreciates. I'm, I'm indebted to you. I owe you. I said, you don't owe me nothing. I said, all my employees use this mower. I've had it for three years. You know, it, it mows. I have three pieces of ground that's about three acres each. I mow every week. Yeah. So don't worry about it. You know, it, I, I bought an expensive one so it would last and be enduring. So if you need it, just all you got to do is say so. Yeah, it's it's. But when I but when I saw it, I volunteered, and uh, it's a young kid. He's thirty. He's young. Yeah. And it's it's kind of embarrassing to ask, 
So I saved him the effort. <laughs> but when he refused, <laughs> then he had to come back and ask. Yeah, come back and ask. <laughs> you know, it's it's uh, it's better to refuse at first. At least it looks like you're putting forth the effort, um, which I'm sure he did. Uh, but he did. You know, it's it's strange to me, and I hope we're not getting out of a. Again, you're in a different generation than I am. Uh, but I think I think we're built the same. We think the same. I surround myself around people that think the same. But not everyone has that. Not everyone mm-hmm. has a neighbor who's gonna would rather complain more than mm-hmm. let you borrow the mower for sure. Like people, we people listening, people people know this. There's people are not out to help you out. Mm-hmm. They're not always there. But man, when someone does, um. Man, does it make it? It's called community. It's called community. But it's for each other, for sure. Yeah, it's it's community, but it's also there's no there's no strings attached. Mm -mm. And a lot of times when you bring up community, um, means you you need to belong. We're trying to get you to belong, and if you belong, you follow the rules (laughs) that we follow. But um, that that self sacrificial like um. You don't. You could have left the the mower in his lawn, his driveway. He could have literally got in it, drove it back, and parked it in yours, and said, "No, I'm good," mm-hmm. and never called you again. But he didn't. And so, there's there's something deeper about that. But hold on, let me let's take a break because I have a, a whole other topic I want to get onto that's linked to this. I just don't I don't want to leave it as is because work ethic is. I knew this was going to be a long topic. That's why I jumped right off the bat. We dove head first because I was like, <laughs> I really want to get into this because I know it's a big topic. But there's there's a second topic um, that I want to bring up after the break. And I really want to talk about burnout. I want to talk about mm-hmm. that part of, of having work ethic. And so are you cool with that? You cool with taking a break? Yeah, sure. All right. Hey, guys. I don't know if you know this, um, but not only am I a podcaster, but I'm also an artist and a pretty decent one at that, if I might say so. And if you were like, you know what? I don't believe this guy. I don't think he's that good of an artist. Um, you can go check out my work at etsy.com slash shop slash pardon will. And then when you're convinced, you can also purchase all my artwork there. Now, it's not just you know original artwork. There's also prints and you can change sizes. So you're like, you know, I like this piece, but I don't want it too big. I want it this way or whatever. Um, you can go there and peruse my entire category that I have for sale. Um, and everything starting from like $5 and up all the way sky's the limit. So if you're like, you know what, um, not only do I want to judge this guy's voice and his attitude, I want to judge his art as well. You can go there. Um, and if you can't find that, you know, Etsy's not your thing. You can also go to my website, pardonwill.com. But, um, if you're, uh, wanting to check it out and want to buy a piece of art and you go to the Etsy, um, use promo code podcast, that'll get you 10% off. And that's my way of saying Thanks for listening, um, and I hope you're enjoying the podcast. I hope you enjoy my art, um, and that is just for you. So if you're listening to the podcast, you want to check it out, go to etsy.com slash shop slash pardon will. Use promo code podcast, get 10% off. Um, you won't regret it. All right, we're back. And so I want to talk about something that we left off with. Um, it's a subject I've been thinking about a lot lately, um, and I want to get your opinion so I'm going to give I'm going to give you the term burnout, and I want you to tell me what you think. It's a deep thought for sure. It takes a lot to think about what this means. But what do you think when you hear the word burnout, and how's that how's that relate to you? Because you, you literally just took a month off from everything, mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I'd assume burnout 
had something to do with that, right? Like you, you, you know what burnout, Dad. I know you know what burnout is, and so a lot of people listening probably deal with burnout, but they don't know if it is or if it's if it's something they're dealing with. So tell me what you think about the word burnout. Well, I don't like the word burnout. First off, but anyway, <laughs> wait, you don't like what? The word burnout, because I'm invincible, so I don't like that oh, okay. word. But you know, it, is, it is reality. I actually like um, the word burnout. You do? <laughs> I well, don't. See, well, yeah, hold, long... on. hold on. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I knew you were getting started, but I got a rant to go on, Dad. And it's go my ahead. podcast, so it's about me speaking. <laughs> um, the word burnout, actually, I, the only reason I'm saying it is because I thought about this a lot. But we know what burnout is, because... I like mm-hmm. fast cars. And to me, when people say they're feeling burned out, or they're, they're feeling the burnout or whatever, when it comes to work ethic and what they're doing with their life, it's a lot of times they're, they're spinning rubber but not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And so when I think burnout, I think I think a lot about that, of, of a lot of effort but no movement. Okay, so mm-hmm. that's why I like the word burnout. So now why do you not like the word burnout? Because um, burnout is is prevented by inspiration. If you have inspiration, burnout doesn't happen. It isn't. It isn't about fatigue. It isn't about exhaustion. It's about the loss of inspiration. Mm. So uh, I, I begin to realize in my life that, um, and that's why I like job change. Why I like remodeling because the chance of burnout is slim because you're always renewing your inspiration in a new job, a new project. Um, and in churches, it's the same thing. As long as you have inspiration for a new project or, or a new endeavor, then you, you don't find burnout. But when, when you've exhausted all your inspiration, when you've exhausted all your, um, all your effort and talent and you're left with nothing, that's where burnout happens. And yes, I, I was coming to burnout. Um, I wasn't there yet, but I was getting close. And so I used my 70th uh, birthday as an excuse to back up and regroup. But I'd already made plans prior to doing that. Um, I'd already made plans um, with the guys that, that worked for me, and as well as um, with Jeff uh, Jackson, who is uh, uh, assistant pastor at the church I'm at. And, as well, and, and I'd met with Jonathan twice about coming in and, and giving a new boost of inspiration um, in the church. So I, w- I was facing burnout and I did, I've, I've never been, you know, I've never been there before. I've always had inspiration and uh, sometimes the inspiration was to go to a new place. <laughs> I'll be, I'll admit that. Okay. This is, we're leaving here. We're going to someplace greener, but, um, but it's always been, um, uh, to prevent burnout has always been an, an effort, uh, not, not really an effort, but um, uh, an acknowledgement of, of, of a change. I, I've, as we said in the first podcast, I've always been excited by change. So when God presented me with change, I was ready to go. Um, what it was um, from from New Orleans to, to moving to Austin, or from Austin moving to Connecticut, or from Connecticut moving to Atlanta, or Atlanta to Texas. Um, the change was always inspiring to me. So, yeah. um, to prevent burnout, change was my uh, trip lever. I flipped the breaker and change 
Well, not really I did it, but God did for me. Um, showed me new fields and new horizons and new places, and that, that prevented the burnout. But um, I was facing it at, when I turned eight, 70, and I realized that if I didn't um, make some changes, it would become a re- reality for me, and I didn't want that reality. Hmm. All right, well, um, maybe here's the first time we push back. <clears throat> I, I disagree. I don't. I don't think inspiration is the cure for burnout. Um, but that's only because I don't think I don't think burnout comes from the lack of inspiration. Again, I think I think burnout. You can have inspiration in, in changing things and doing things differently. I think burnout comes from giving all, even different inspirations. Say you were inspired to do something different while in the middle of spinning your wheels and not getting anywhere. So you're inspired to try something different, maybe change something up. And then, and then those efforts seem to, to lack and they they seem to fall short. And then you well, I'm inspired by the new revival or the new, you know, pouring down of the spirit. And so I try those things. And so this is something new and, and our church is going through something different or my business is, going to try a new marketing thing and and that's an inspiration to to try something new and then that doesn't result and then so you try something new because you're inspired because you're people are constantly looking for inspiration for sure but what the thing Mm -hmm. the inspiration breeds what it should breed for for more inspiration is results and so when i think of burnout i i go back to the idea of of tires spinning on concrete mm-hmm. but no result mm-hmm. except for smoke and maybe applause mm-hmm. and depends on if you have a muscle car and it's, it's doing it for <laughs> show. but that's totally different um when i think burnout means you're, you're you're putting all forth effort even different inspirations when it comes this season has a new inspiration and i know pastors feel this a lot because i'm friends mm-hmm. with a ton of them <clears throat> but i also know a lot of people who work in industry especially when the when they're trying to do something inside, they're not just working a job. They have a work ethic. They're not just doing it just to do it. They're doing it for a purpose. And when that mm-hmm. purpose doesn't breed results and mm-hmm. it, and then they try something different, they're inspired to do something different and that doesn't breed results. And then mm-hmm. the next thing doesn't breed results. It feels like you're constantly um, mm-hmm. chasing a carrot on a stick and that feels like you're burning out and then eventually you reach burnout and so I disagree I don't well, think it's lack I of understand. I don't think it's lack of inspiration I think it's I think it's lack of results that's where burnout comes from well you're, you're probably true results are, are an effect but I have literally I have never been in a place where I didn't have results I have um, oh, come, on. When we first, come on dad okay Okay. No, 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 go ahead, go I, ahead. I'm just, I'm just trying okay, to call let me, you. Let me share call you a little bit here. All right. Everywhere go. I've gone um, was a plate, was it, and this is something that was learned in ministry. A common term was burnt field. You go to a burnt field, and somebody, everybody's already been through there, and they used up all the resources. Wait, what's it called? A burnt field. Huh? A burnt field? Yeah, that's what churches are called that have been there, done that, and, I, are, and are now I didn't know regress that. back to retirement. I did not know that. And, uh, okay, that's, every, that's new to me. every church I've taken in my life were a burnt field. Um, they'd already been, been you know, raided and 
fleeced and everything else. And, and I came in with, with a dozen people only left. And um, with inspiration, I took a burnt field and made it into a garden. Um, that, that was my whole life. That's the story of my whole life. Until I, you know, I came to Rag in Louisiana, and usually within two years, I was able to turn the church around and have growth and have uh, young people and, and you know, ministries and stuff growing from it. Um, Ragland was my first experience um, with a, a four-year span with nothing happening. And I called the board and said, look, I believe God sent me here, and I believe I'm supposed to be here, but uh, I haven't had results in four years. We're still running around 20. So if you guys want to continue searching for him, for another pastor, let me just be in them. I understand. And they said, no, give it a little more time. Um, we, we believe you are the man, and we believe that God has sent you, and it's going to turn. And the following year, literally the following year, the church went from 20 to 100. And then the year after that, it went from 100 to 200. It, it, it grew uh, unbelievably. Well, we started, you know, when, when, the, when, the, when I established a board, had uh, elders and stuff in it, then they decided that they, since we were so big and, and so, so affluent, that we should have a, 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 a doctorate degree in the pulpit. So they pursued that, and I, just, I said, I want no part of it, and I left. And from that, we started going to this church. Can we, hold on, hold on. Can we, we stop real quick? Okay. So you were successful in growing the church, and then the next step was we want someone with a seminary doctor degree. Well, they wanted someone with a with not necessarily a doctor, but a uh, a a degreed. Um, and I, I only have an associates, so they were looking for somebody with a bachelor's and master's, or somebody with with a a more affluent influence. And, um, influence on what, Dad? In the church, as a, a minister and as a pastor, they felt like I was too. And I read that today about King David. He wanted to build the temple, and God told him no because they had blood on his hands, and said, "Your son will do it for you." Um, and I began to realize that you know they they were looking for someone who didn't have blood on their hands, someone who wasn't in construction, that wasn't rash. Was a little more refined. That's what they were looking for. Someone to kill the and, church. Uh, it, Sorry. It, it, that's that's my own. That's my own. Inter- so I've uh, a lot of my friends went to seminary, and uh, a lot of my friends didn't. And not to say that there's a harsh distinction between people who go into ministry from seminary versus those who don't go to seminary and go into ministry. There is a very mm-hmm. distinctive, distinctive characteristic. And um, and I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna say this once on the podcast. And I'll never bring this up again. <laughs> Those who go to seminary and then go into ministry expect something. Those who don't go to seminary and into ministry expect something out of God. And uh, and that's that's my explanation. A lot of a lot of the friends that I have that went to seminary expect God to do something for them and a lot of the people who don't go to seminary and go into ministry expect a lot of the themselves to do for God um, mm-hmm. 
I don't mean to rag on seminary, but there's a similar attitude. But that's the truth that I can't deny. I had a had a young man in Connecticut came to me and was wanting a position as, as assistant pastor, and he graduated from seminary in Oklahoma. I won't mention which one, but um, mm-hmm. well, there's not that many, Dad, so you don't have to. <laughs> there's three, but anyway, again, not that many. He, he, he laid that out to me what he was expecting, and he said um, it was kind of funny because he said. Y'all graduate seminary school, so I'm, 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 I will come, I'd like to come here to bless you. He said, but um, I, this is what I expect for salary. This is what I expect for uh, wash, wash my feet, peasant. Wash them. Right. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I get real. I get real fired up about this, Dan. You know me. Me like, too. I'm, I'm not. No. You're very more <laughs> casual with this. I'm a little bit more. I'm a little bit more aggressive when it comes to people who are arrogant. Um. Well, then he went a step further. He said, my wife will not be doing anything in the church, neither will my children. Um, I, will be, I will be a minister here, but they will not. My wife is here to serve me, not this church. Did you, did, you tell him, did you tell him not only your children and your wife not no, going to do anything with the church? Hold I, on, I Dad. Dad did, you, did you tell him not only your wife and your children are not going to do anything for the church, you're not going to do anything <laughs> for the church. And sorry. That was, no. What would you say, Dad? What would you say? Here's what I approached him with. I said, what if every man and every woman in this church had the same idea as you do? Where would the ministers of this church be if the women in this church did not serve the King of Kings and Lord of Lords? You're not, you're not coming in here wanting to serve God. You want to serve man, and you want to be honored by man. Well, your honor will not be honored here. Mm. <laughs> I love that. So, yeah, the your, kingdom your is gold has no value here. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> none, none. I, I don't mean but, to rag but, on all my my seminary listeners and people who <laughs> enjoy seminary. I, I think there's some good in it for sure. Um, but you know, I'm thankful they they win. I'm thankful they they, they completed their task for ministry. But um, for me, a minute the ministry has always been vocation. It hasn't been a job, hmm. and. Uh, but most people in ministry see it as a job. They won't pay. I'll go to work to get paid. I come here to serve. Mm. Actually, that's that's false, Dad. Oh, really? <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, because you actually don't do construction to get paid. <laughs> Truthfully, I mean, it sounds arrogant and it sounds boastful for me to say. It sounds like I'm kissing up to you, but... You know me, and I will tear you down as quick as I can. I'm <laughs> sure my dad, but you don't you don't do construction as if to get paid. You do it as a ministry. So, so the I way do. you think about things, even work, construction, and even church, it's it's a ministry. It's not a job. It's not to get paid. People mm-hmm. people work jobs, and then they go into seminary, and then they get a job at a church, thinking vocation is mm-hmm. job but not mission. And I think mm-hmm. they lose the idea of mission. My, my, my problem, man, I have tons of problems. Oh my God. I should be in therapy. <laughs> I have so many problems. My problem with seminary, my, my basic <laughs> problem with seminary is the idea of lack of risk, lack of mm-hmm. putting yourself out there, which I didn't go to seminary and, um, <clears throat> which mm-hmm. it's my fault. I probably could have, and I would have done fine. Um, 
the reason I, I, crap, I didn't even go to a Christian college specifically because I didn't want it. I didn't want it mm-hmm. ruining me. <laughs> Say that right? all my family and my my best friend went to to a Christian college, and he was like, "You should come here." And I was like, "I've seen what you've gone through, and i i prefer i mm-hmm. I prefer to try to see the gospel without being." I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's a um. This is a total uh, different podcast. Sorry, I'm gonna retract. Um, <laughs> different podcast. Um, yeah, take notes and do it later. Take notes, and we're <laughs> we're gonna talk about this later. But I, uh, I, I don't hate on people, and I've been in ministry for a long time. So have you, and and we've seen mm-hmm. people that come in, and I don't, I don't think people who go into seminary are bad, and I don't think people who mm-hmm. go to college in general to find their skill set mm-hmm. like i prefer the doctor giving me surgery mm-hmm. to have gone to college versus just bringing right. it you know like i don't <laughs> want that by any means no. but when it comes to sociological and, and i understand every because church is not <laughs> surgery church is not surgery and no it's, it's serving it's serving and that's that's a total different thing. It doesn't take a lot to serve. What it really mm-hmm. takes a lot is understanding who to serve and when to serve. Um, mm-hmm. A bit of a bit of knowing when to leave the ninety nine and find the one, and when to know when the mm-hmm. one is not not there mm-hmm. to to be found. It's it's mm-hmm. there's a lot of details involved in that, but that has a lot to do with relationships and not so mm-hmm. much dividing exegetical um, Greek theology and and where the orthodox and the protestants go different you don't technically need to know these these things mm-hmm. it, well while it helps sometimes you can get lost in the weeds and lose the mission and i think the mission mm-hmm. and i have arguments all the time dad oh my god i have arguments mm-hmm. all the time with catholics <laughs> um about this and i love catholic all my favorite writers are actually catholic um gk chesterton and, mm-hmm. and merton these these are people i look up to who are catholic but i always get in arguments with catholics because of the authoritative stance of knowing exactly what the church was and and they always presume mm-hmm. protestants you know that protestants don't mm-hmm. believe the church started until 1500s and i'm like well the church was there the whole time just people got involved and they, they ruined it and, but that doesn't mean the church wasn't there involved in that part and so anyway long rant all i'm going to say is <clears throat> okay but burnout burnout that was where i was going yeah but burnout does happen when when you don't see results for your inspiration. You're right. That's my point. You're right. It's not about inspiration. Yep. It's about not seeing results. It is. Well, hold on. Hold the phone. It is about inspiration. I'm holding my Because um, <laughs> as, as long as you're inspired uh, in the task you're doing, um, it will overlook the lack of results to some degree. Um, I've been at Woodlands Church for seven years. Uh, it's, we started from nothing, and um, God has blessed us and created a church out of it. Um, but I was coming to a point where we were turning into a retirement church, the kind of church I always went to to resurrect. Even though we were a new field, we weren't a burnover field, it was a new field. Yeah. But, um, but the inspiration was lacking i i was i was losing the inspiration to continue the fight and uh, and, uh, and, to, and, to, and to see a difference so um god had sent jonathan to us a couple of different times and his start in the ministry was with us 
So uh, I had no idea he was back in Orange and was was um, in a new startup here. I um, I approached him and said, "Listen," and and my, the reality is, I was looking to him for inspiration. Um, but results is you know inspiration um, is kept alive by the results you have, like you just said. Not going anywhere, spinning your wheels is, is no fun. I mean, yes, you love to hear the roar of the engine and the and the smell of the burnt rubber, but but really you want to see that that clock yeah, no and how quick you can make it to the, I mean, to the quarter mile. Yeah. Race heads like the smell of burnt rubber, but most people do. But my brother Johnny, my brother Johnny lives for that smell. He 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 literally, and I have three people in my in my church that are all. Racers, they run the quarter mile and eighth mile tracks and stuff, and they have their trucks and their cars that they run, and they love that smell. That smell gets their heart pumping, and that sound of roar, percussion on their chest gets them moving, and it's the same feeling I get um, when I get a response from the people I'm ministering to, and and they come to the altars and they and and they seek after God and they, and they find Him in a real tangible way. Um, that's the same feeling I get. So, um, and I need that. I need that uh, effect to happen to people's lives. And when it doesn't, that's where burnout comes from. Well, the, again, the, the lack of result. So, so my ideal is not. No, you're you're right on. It's it's but, it's different. So so one. Let me say one of the things I have. Um, with my wife, because um, I'm not I'm not super open about my personals on the podcast for sure, but I am definitely open about how I feel about most things. And life, I've always said this: life is a bit of a struggle, and it doesn't. Mm -hmm. I said this on the last podcast: it doesn't always get easy. It's, most of the time, it gets more difficult. Mm -hmm. the The difficult times are more difficult when when the good times don't produce much. Um, and so I've always been a bit of a person who has a hard time playing for the future. This is an insight for everyone listening uh, upon myself mm -hmm. um, to get to know me a little bit better. I, I do plan for futures and I have goals, um, but I oftentimes live day to day because day to day means a lot to me because um, mm -hmm. I often, I may, be, I may be an existentialist. So I, I constantly think about the existence of life. And I'm always mm -hmm. equating the idea that tomorrow's not really given to me. And so a lot mm -hmm. of times I don't plan for how to solve a problem unless it's how do I get through the problems of today? Because every day mm -hmm. has its own set of problems, at least for me. Mm -hmm. So the idea of burnout is you, you do this over and over again. And the, the results are the same, but you would like different results. And so when mm -hmm. I say burnout, I don't mean lacking inspiration because to, to actually deal with life and work ethic and, and, and try to get through its trials is just having inspiration. When inspiration lacks, I don't think that's burnout. What I think burnout mm -hmm. is, is when you've exhausted all inspiration because your inspiration has not produced any fruit. And mm -hmm. I think what most people, when they deal with burnout in their work life, or in church life with their pastors or, you know, if they're just normal people, the idea of burnout isn't about what oh, I, I lost all, 
inspiration. I guess a lot to do with losing all hope. And the problem they lose all hope is, is because they've tried everything they can and nothing changes. And so that's my feeling when, when the rubber skids along the road and it's going so fast and everyone's lives are going so fast and nothing changes over. No, I'm not talking about the day, maybe the week. It's the same problems you were dealing with last week, but maybe it's the same problems you were dealing with last month. Maybe it's the same problems you were dealing with the last six months. Maybe now it's been 10 years and you're still having the same arguments with your wife. You're still having your kids are still acting the same way they did 10 years ago. You're still in the same place you were. I actually thought about this and it was, it's been a tight financial month. And I thought about, I remember 15 years ago, feeling the same exact way when it was mm -hmm. tight financially. And we're dealing with a totally different economic system and inflation and, and a whole new, it's not 2008, but it feels like it. It's just 2022. And so mm -hmm. people are starting to feel like it wouldn't be odd to me that most people listening felt like they were in a hamster wheel. That even when they thought it was good, it was only going to get bad to bring them back to where they were. So almost as if you got lost in the woods and you thought you were making progress, but then you've just found out you just circled back over a ton of time. Mm -hmm. To me, to me, it's not about inspiration. It's about being burned out because you just got the uttermost disappointment that you thought you were moving and your inspiration thought you were moving somewhere just to find out you didn't move at all. And to me, Dad, that's burning rubber. You you putting as much effort, it's squealing the tires, but you never move an inch. That's burnout to me, Dad. That's that's what I, I, that's what I would assume most people, that's what I feel is burnout. Yep, and I understand what you're saying, but I am an eternal optimist. I I see benefit from all my labors, all of them. Why? Uh, it may not be the, the leaps and bounds I want. Why? But I see benefits from all of them. And that's what keeps me going to the next one. Um, today I was over at 240 Glidden, and I have some furniture and stuff stored in that in that house. By and the way, was, no one knows what 240 Glidden is, um, but that's a property <laughs> that's owned for a long time. We we lived there for a while. and it's Your mother yeah. your mother bought that property in 2000. J just that um, up for the listeners, so they're like, what is 240 Glidden? That sounds like a paint that I right? haven't bought yet um, for my living room. So um, it's a, it's a property. So, yeah, just adds up. Yeah, it's a property that your mother and I bought in 2000, and about five years ago I paid it off, and there's three acres. Now, since then, by the by Becky's inspiration, I built a little story to have house <laughs> on one piece of the property. Uh, when Hurricane Ike came through, I bought a three-bedroom, one-bath house and moved on to the property. And then uh, in 2014, I moved a 2,000-square-foot shop on the back corner of the property. So I'm, I've got a lot of stuff stacked on that property. Yeah. Um, two of the houses are in it, but 240, the one you lived in and we lived in, uh, is vacant and has been for since 2012. Um, we I gutted it out, wanted to remodel it, and and redo it, and it's been setting ever since 2012. So for 10 years, the house has been sitting there, got it. Um, through the hurricanes, through the storms, and different furniture and stuff, I've moved in, moved in it, and covered them up, and left them there. Well, I, 
was over there cleaning it out today, and and you know the, the inspiration to put it back was stirring me, but the finances to do it with, I do, I don't have, and so I'm I'm talking to God about it and discussing it, and walking around and and the memories that they're there and all the other things. It's it's a difficult piece of property for sure for me emotionally. Yeah. Um, but I I begin to realize that, that this is a property. This is not a person. And so what I do with it and do to it, you know, is up to me. It's not it's not a person that I um, although it takes on those characteristics when I walk through those rooms and rem- and have memories. Uh, your mother's piano is still there. Um, really? Yeah. From It has tuning dates in it from the uh, late 1800s, yeah. written in pencil inside it. And um, the pieces were, were sep- some of them separated. I put it back together and was cleaning and vacuuming because, I, like I said, I have furniture in there that I'm storing, so I'm trying to clean it up. I got to looking around at what the possibilities. And... Um, it hasn't been a priority for me. And Cindy had told me, she that house has been sitting for 10 years. You need to do something with it. So, well, I need money to do things with it. I can't just go in there. But as I walked around and looked, I said, well, there are some things I could do here. You know, I, my labor, there's ample materials here. I could fix and change. Uh, and as I was cleaning it and straightening things up, I looked, looking around at the, at the things I need doing and possibilities, and a little bit of inspiration twinkled, but then I said, ah, I don't feel like it. <laughs> Not today. Maybe next week. Maybe next month. I don't know. So, um, inspiration, um, there, there are things you can do at all times, in all situations, that don't necessarily require finance. Um I, two years ago, I put a new roof on it because a hurricane came through and blew seams off. And I didn't want it to rot and fall down, so I, I dropped uh, six thousand dollars and a new, new roof put on it. And uh, well, you're just wasting money. No, I'm, I'm protecting an investment. That's what I'm doing, protecting an investment and cleaning it today. Says, what do you do all day? So I'm cleaning over two forty. Well, you're just wasting it. I said, no, I'm protecting an investment. Hmm. And um, sometimes we're not making leaps and bounds. Sometimes we're not charging forward against the foe. But um, at times we're just protecting what we had done in the past so it doesn't go to waste. Mm, But that's... That's not spinning wheels. It's not spinning wheels, but it's not inspiration either. It is. No. It's inspiration for what can be. You've learned a few... You've blurred a few lines. No, no, that's not. It's not inspiration. It's hope. It, 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 you're right. It's hope, but it's hope. also it. Hope brings inspiration. But that's but that's a source for something else that comes. <laughs> you, it's, inspiration's not not the core of it. it. Inspiration comes from hope, and so that's basically well, what you're talking about is the idea that there's <clears throat> inspiration comes from something that might. It's an epiphany. It's almost like a muse. It's something that comes as an artist. I understand this concept of inspiration. Something that comes out of, something that comes out of nowhere. But mm-hmm. that that something that comes out of nowhere is never the end game. The end game is actually sourced from the idea of hope that it will come from something. 
It's a wishful thinking. Inspiration's not wishful. Inspiration is an is a call to action. That's what inspiration is. Mm-hmm. But wishful thinking <clears throat> is hinged off the idea of hope. And so when people feel burnout, it's not because they lack inspiration. A call to action. Everyone who feels burnout, not only do they not feel a call to action, they feel a responsibility to action. But they're they're immovable because action seems fruitless. And the call to action seems to ring void because there's no hope. And when there's no hope, then burnout insists because... And that was my point at the beginning is when you burn rubber, you constantly work and you do things and there's no result, then what hope? Because the hope initially was there was a, there's going to be a result. And when the result doesn't come through, it constantly fails. You only can rely on the fact that, well, well is there an end game? Is there, is there any hope? And so inspiration is always hinged on that point. So I, I, enjoy, I enjoy the concept of inspiration for sure. But it is geared on the idea that you are inspired to do something different in hopes of something else. But when that repeatedly fails, people feel burnout, which everyone does, and you you included. But there is yeah. So I'm gonna say one thing that I think that is different between me. I think that's different than most people. I think you're different than most people. Mm-hmm. Um. Because I, I think you know what it feels like to be hopeless. Um, mm-hmm. I think I know what that feels like. I think you definitely know what that feels like. Mm-hmm. So I want to ask you about <clears throat> the transcendent idea of what what the end of end of life meaning means. Like, there's mm-hmm. one scripture I think about. Now, this is actually a lead up to the next episode. This is what I want to talk about in the next episode. Mm-hmm. So we can end it here. But I want to I want to give a prerequisite. I want tell me about okay. what you think the scripture where it talks about being a good and faithful servant. Give me give me a very quick synopsis, and we'll do a whole episode over that. Mm. What do you think? To um, me, um, that's hope. Um, to me, that's where hope lies. Transcendent. It it does because um, this is going to get super personal. Oh, let's not go there. No, no, no. This is next episode. Just give me, give me, give me basics. Give me. Hold, hold up. Let's let's recoil that scripture. Let's go. Let's go. Um, you run the race. You did. You did run well. Let's go that scripture. Let's not go to because I want to save that for the next one. Talk about endurance <laughs> and running, running the good race, fighting the good fight. Let's go there <laughs> before we get too personal, because that's <laughs> I can't go for another two hours, Dad. I, I don't have it. I know, I know. Um, for hope, you did run well. Well, because there's a promise of a reward in everything I do. There's a promise of reward in the houses I build, the remodels, and the churches I work. There's a promise of reward. But um, God is not unfaithful to is not unfaithful to forget your labor of love. Um, when I when the text in Longville or uh, Raggy rather fell apart, yeah. that was a scripture that was sent to me uh, from a good friend. So God is not unfaithful to forget your labor of love. Yeah, and um, that mean that meant so much to me in a time of crisis when. Uh, all my efforts had washed up on the shore and, and disregarded by those 
who came there because of me. They were in that church because of my efforts. And then they turned on me and, and wanted something better. Um, and, I, and I began to realize well, I, I'm not, I am serving them, but it's not for them. I'm serving for God to Those them. Yeah. God wants to flow through me to them, and that's what I did here. And I love them, and I care for them, and I'm deeply involved in their lives. But ultimately, it's the Father's choice. And um, that helps on every regard. Um, the buttons you just pushed by yeah. marking <laughs> this request. For sure. Uh, we'll do it again. Put tears put tears in my eyes and a, and a pain in my heart, but I, I realized that, um, that um, heaven is so much bigger than we think. Eternity is so much broader than we know. And, um, and that's that's my goal. That's that's the ultimate where I'm pursuing. And whatever the Father wants, I'm willing to sacrifice and lay on the altar of thanksgiving for his blessings in my life. He has been more than sufficient for me. Yeah, so I agree. And I would like to end on this particular point. And so there was a a predominant scripture we talk about um, to -hmm. live as Christ and to die as gain, which sounds super dismal. But when it comes to the idea of burnout, when it comes Mm -hmm. to the idea of of spinning wheels and not getting effort, a lot Mm -hmm. of the transcendent theology that that the Gospels bring means... Sometimes people do things in life that make no sense because they don't serve themselves, nor do they reap results that they wish they saw in the life. Like, there's there's a saying that people plant trees that they'll never sit under the shade of. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Abraham literally fought for the promised land that he knew he was never going to walk into. Mm-hmm. And And constantly when I think about work ethic and burnout, and the entire subject that we talk about, I think about that that concept of going, what am I doing today that mm-hmm. I'll never reap the benefit of, but people will mm-hmm. reap my benefit for? Mm-hmm. And that sounds egregious to those who feel offended against. And don't, when I put my effort forward, I need to get paid. You know, that kind of concept. I, I think there is a, People are built different when they think about the idea of a transcendent truth and a transcendent hope and a transcendent mm-hmm. worthiness. So I will work to raid the, raise the tides even if I drowned in them if it raises mm-hmm. all ships. And that's a well, different thing. And, but that, Dad, that's what I think keeps mm-hmm. burnout at mm-hmm. bay. Because mm-hmm. I've done things... Oh, go ahead. Hebrews chapter 11, the end of the chapter said, These all died in faith, not having received the promise, but God, having provided some better thing for us, that they without us would not be made perfect. Exactly. Exactly. So sometimes, so we I, all join together. sometimes I bust my ass and work myself into the ground, not for my benefit, but for maybe not even my family's, but for someone who comes along after me. Mm-hmm. Who listen to this podcast and go, I should have subscribed and liked this and uh, signed up for his Patreon and bought some of his art. Um, that's how I'm going to end the podcast. 
everyone i appreciate you listening dad you want to tell them where you can listen to their sermons your sermons by the way um is it woodlands church yeah. ragley woodlands church Ragley, louisiana very nice um, on facebook you can, you can, it's up on facebook and um and uh yeah we're available Hey, there's a donate button, and also that's gonna come back. We're gonna talk about some serious stuff. We went deep tonight. This was actually a very long podcast, but I knew it was gonna be a difficult subject, and I held off the difficulty very to the last end just to make sure people come in. So, if Dad, if you want to talk about some serious stuff next time we do this, um, I'm all for it. Um, and I'll, I'll have this my, was pretty serious. I don't know what you call it. It was serious, but was man, serious. did we did we build a we built a dam for a Niagara Falls because we could have gotten mm-hmm. real serious with it. Right. And we could have both been crying, and everyone on the podcast been like, "Oh my god, these two grown men are weeping," and we avoided that. We I I did a very good job. Just a heads up, I did. A you very did good a job very good job. job. You're very skilled at this. Being very too emotional. I'll say that for the next one. So if you're listening, you should like, oh my God, I really want to hear them cry about emotional things. I want to hear grown men <laughs> weep like babies. Then maybe tune in for the next episode. But at the end of the day, you can follow this podcast. You can follow me. You can follow my father on, uh, you can listen to his sermons for sure. He'll be back. We're going to talk some more about these deep concepts. One of the things I like about this podcast as much as I enjoy interviewing strangers and interviewing politicians and artists and and going into deep concepts about how the, where they got where they were and the one thing I like about this is because I've had numerous conversations with you. Number one, it's comfortable, but we're also exploring things that we've never we've never had the time or I don't know. We've we've talked about these things, but we've never done it in the scrutiny of knowing that there is other people listening. And I think Mm -hmm. as much as I feel like these are personal conversations, I think they're important for other people. Um, Mm. And I'll I'll never, yeah, I'll I'll leave it there. Because I think, I think (laughs) sometimes I think people like, I mean, oh my God, we, if you opened up any TV app now, it's always about like um, dance moms or some personal drama. So if, if people wanted drama, they got drama tonight. They just got real drama. And real, real life stuff. So it's not just fake TV stuff. So either way, um, this is good for my ratings, Dad. This is good for my podcast. But either way, it's good for us. I enjoy, I enjoy being open and transparent, and I think it's good for other people. How do you feel about that? Do you think, do you think other people listening to this are going to benefit? I would assume, right? People's lives are common. Their problems are common. They face a common. We're not that uh, difficulties. So, so yeah. I think this is real. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with the idea that we're not that strange, but um, we're definitely not that strange. God, God, hope we're not that strange, Dad. Um, anyway, we're not the average family, okay? So we're we're not we're the okay. average, but we're not that strange. We're not that strange. <laughs> anyway, Dad, I love you. I hope you have a good night. Love you. And uh, we'll do this again. We'll we'll go into the deep feels next time. Does that sound good? I'll try. You'll try. No, I'll leave you there. Trust me. We'll get there. Okay. We'll get there. Everybody, thanks for tuning into the Pardonable Podcast, and we will see you here next week with whatever guests I have, but definitely for the Gotten Series Episode 3, where we're going to get into our feels. And I hope you join us for that. And you have a good night. 
Hey, everybody, and thank you for listening to this episode of the Pardon Will Podcast. If you uh, want to find us on the socials, on Instagram, it's Pardon Will Podcast, and on Twitter, it's Pardon Will Pod. Um, and if you want to find me on my personal, um, my Instagram is Pardon Will Art, um, and that's the same for my Twitter, it's Pardon Will Art. Um, if you are interested in and, uh, checking out my artwork, maybe to purchase, you can go to etsy.com slash shop slash Pardon Will. Um, and if you want to sign up, uh, a part of the Patreon and uh, get all kinds of extra content, like extra podcast episodes, extra um, stuff that I'm doing, and uh, just free uh, art that I give away on that Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash pardonwill. And if that's too much information and you were just like, you know what, just give me something simple so I can find you, uh, you can also go to pardonwill.com and everything's uh, there. I need to get on updating it, but for the most part, everything that I do is at pardonwill.com. But Anyway, thank you for listening, and uh, I'll see you back here next time.